Father in heaven, it's good to come into your house out of a crazy, busy, stressful world into a few hours of peace and worship and meditation. May the Holy Spirit speak to us and teach us today. Amen. The hope factor. The hope factor. How is your life journey going? How is that life journey going? It is quite a trip, isn't it? What a journey this life is. And we know we have more than this life, right? Isn't that the great thing? It's not just this life, it's what's coming. But I ask you today, how is your life journey going? As we think of our brothers and sisters in the Carolinas that have gotten hit twice, in the last month with rain and storm and death and our brothers and sisters in the north. Let me say this clearly. When some of us suffer, we all suffer, correct? When some of us suffer, we all suffer. But how is your life journey going? Pastor Jeff uses an iPad. I am not that brave up here because I know I'm going to come up and that screen's going to go. <laughs> I have the old-fashioned, remember these file folders? <laughs> okay, I'm 55. Let's get real about that. If God came to me when I was 20 or he came to you when you were 20 and he gave you a file of your life and you opened it up and you looked in there and saw all the things that you were going to go through, I don't know about you, but I would probably just collapse. <laughs> and I have gone back with a notepad and listed major events in my life, and they they're usually involve loss or pain or death. And when you stack them up, it's quite a lot. If God had given me the file and said, you're going to live in Puerto Rico 16 years. You're going to live in Minnesota five years. You're going to be a pastor at Forest Lake Church. I'm like, you have got to be kidding. If God gave us a file, gave you a file on your life, and it would come up right to today, he could give us a file of what's coming, but between you and I, I really don't want to know. I'm just going to trust him as we go forward. I know a day is coming, a very good day is coming. The journey there, the process there is a different story. So your file is probably like my file, full of ups and downs, surprises, full of joy. There's a lot of good joy. There's a lot of good things. It's great to be alive, isn't it? It is great to be alive. Our files are full of suffering. As a visitation pastor, I see it every day. I'm in the hospital every day. I visit hospice. I visit your homes. Do you know since January, we've had 22 people in this church go to sleep in Jesus? It's about one every two weeks. In the last five years, and I can still see them. They're not here, but I know where they sat. I know their names. I see the families of them out here. 300 people in the last five years in this church have gone to sleep 
in Jesus. So in light of that, our file full of dreams, full of hope, full of suffering, full of death, where is the hope factor in your life? Ask yourself that question. Where is the hope factor in your life? When I was at Andrews, about 20, I had a friend at Andrews who was an atheist. Atheist at Andrews. I could write a book. And I was a very confident, smart theology major who had about 95% of the answers of life. I had to go to seminary to get the other 5%. (laughs) We would talk about religion and life and all kinds of things. And this friend who was an atheist one time said to me, you cannot prove God to me. I said, you're right. Why do you believe in something or someone that you cannot prove is true? I thought and I prayed. The Holy Spirit gave me this answer. I believe because it gives me hope. What would be my option? What would be our option if we did not have hope. I had a college student, taught college on military bases in Puerto Rico. I think I've told you this before. Half the students would come to class with handguns. Makes you teach in a very passive, calm, non-confrontational way. (laughs) One of the students who did not have a handgun stood up in the middle class and said, We were talking about world religions, and you know, almost all world religions talk about the afterlife and believe in the afterlife. This first student stood up and said, I don't believe that junk. I want to live my life now. I want to do what I want to do now. I don't care about anything else. I don't believe in God. I just want to live my life now. And it was it was shocking to me. I thought, why would you not want more? I wonder in the last 20 years if the Holy Spirit, if God, if the church has been able to touch that person and help them find hope. So I was a 22-year-old pastor in Indiana. My aunt, who's in the front row here, she helped me move into my apartment little apartment, 22-year-old intern pastor. And you know when you're an intern pastor, your responsibilities are to do whatever the senior pastor tells you to do. So I was assigned to be on call for all the funeral homes within about a 20-mile radius for families that did not have a church. And I got a call one day to go and do a funeral And when I got there, these are people I don't know. They're totally strangers. They're not believers. I've been called to do a funeral for a family that are not believers. They had no hope. They're crying. They're saying goodbye. I heard them talking. We'll never see this person again. That is tragic. I tried in a very young, 
immature, hopefully the Holy Spirit used me way to present the good news that you're going to hear today of 1 Corinthians 15, the hope of the resurrection, the hope factor. I presented it, planted the seed. So you know in Scripture, come on, you guys know what the love chapter is, right? What's the love chapter? 1 Corinthians 13. You know what the faith chapter is, right? Hebrews 11. I got an A student in the front row up here. Probably most people don't know, but you'll know it today when you leave, that the hope chapter is 1 Corinthians 15. Read it from verse 1 to the end. 1 Corinthians 15 is the hope chapter which speaks about the resurrection, the hope that we have in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15. Before we go there, we're going to 1 Thessalonians. Let me see, I forgot. I'm so excited. 4.13. 4.13. Paul says, I don't want you, me, you, to be ignorant concerning those who have what? Fallen asleep. Lest you sorrow as others who have what? No hope. Now, if there's somebody here today that doesn't have hope, I'm hoping you're going to leave here with hope. And I'm going to say this very clearly as we're in faith, hope, and love, that the church is the harbor of hope. It is an open harbor for all people to come to, the harbor of hope of hope and we are the fortress of faith and we are the laboratory or we should be the laboratory of love faith hope love paul says here we go now we're going to our our main chapter 1 corinthians 15:19 if in this life only we have hope in christ what we are of all men the most pitiable pitied if all we have is this life that's pretty sad he's saying when I was 16 years old wow 40 years ago my first job was in a Lutheran retirement home as a janitor all right I got to talk to really interesting people who lived through the Depression, through World War II, through the Kennedy times, through, and get to talk and sit with them. They would invite me to sit down and eat with them. I had a 15-minute break, so I would sit and talk to them. I loved that job, but I hated every Monday when I went in, somebody was gone. Somebody was gone. Every week, somebody was gone. And it was interesting. They had a list of, I was 16, and you know you don't know a lot when you're 16. They would have a list of people, and next to their name, it said expired. And I never, what do you mean, what do you mean expired? What is that? They're dead. They're gone. They've left. So I got exposed to that. And then from 1979 to 1985, I worked at Kettering Medical Center as a transporter, physical therapy. Less, I walked 12 miles a day. That's why I weighed 140 pounds. Now I weigh 150. 
So <laughs> I would walk with those people, talk with those people, get to know those people. It was great pe- preparation for the ministry. And I saw, I saw everything. I saw everything. Let me go off notes here. Since I had a hospital uniform and everything, back in those days, you could get into the maternity unit. And I used to love to go in there and just look at the babies through the window. It was the happy place in the hospital. It was the fun place. But I saw everything. And I have walked many, many miles in hospitals, spent many hours in hospices, been in many homes. I won't use the name, but in this year I was able to do communion with a man, one of the 22 that passed right before he died, communion in his home with his wife, and they were totally at peace. And he said, I know I'm going to sleep for a while, but I know I'm going to wake up. And when I went back to visit her after he passed, she said, I'm okay. I'm doing okay. I'm fine. And you know, you run into two. You run into the groups that they're fine and they're good and they're okay. And then you have those that grieve for a long time, and that's okay too. But both groups, as believers, we have the hope factor. In the blizzard of 1978 in Kettering, Ohio, a couple feet of snow, in the middle of that winter storm, a health storm hit my family. My dad had a heart attack in the middle of a blizzard, and it was a stressful ordeal to get him the seven miles to the hospital. And that began a 24-year journey of our family with my dad and heart disease. And he had major health events in 1983, in 1986, in 1995, in 1999. And in 2002, in the hospital, we got to have hours and hours and hours of talks. And we knew that the clock was ticking. So we talked in a different way that we had ever talked before. We talked about everything, and we talked about our faith, and he talked about eternity and being with Jesus and being together as a family forever. And the story that he used to love to tell over and over again, we would talk, he kept talking about the centurion in the Bible with his servant who said to Jesus, just say the words and my servant will be well. And my dad used to say, Jesus, I know you can say the words and heal me, but if you don't, I'm okay but I'd like to be healed. And sometimes God does it now and sometimes he does it later and he's gonna do it at the resurrection for a whole lot of people. And I wasn't there when they called and said, your dad's about to pass. I was in Puerto Rico and I had to get there quickly and he went into a coma before I got there. But his last words, my mom said, he was holding his Bible and I have his Bible. And his last words, It's always good to quote scripture, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The hope factor. Can I talk to you about U.S. presidents? 
Can I do that? Is it okay? Pastor Jeff about fell off the pew, but I told him I was going to keep it everything before 1960, okay? <laughs> so we're good. And we're going we're to take one Republican, one Democrat, and we're going to take George Washington. I think he was what they called a Whig, or I don't know what party it was. Let's start with George Washington. George Washington gave hope, and he did a great thing. George Washington kept running away from the British until we won the war. <laughs> Valley Forge, read about it. Those guys that spent the winter there without shoes and food and housing, Washington kept an army together just to keep hope together for, as we like to say on this side of the ocean, the revolution. Others called it the rebellion, but it all worked out for us okay. George Washington. Abraham Lincoln gave hope to the slaves and the country and to bring it back together with his speeches, with his words. Read his inaugural addresses. They're beautiful. Read the Gettysburg Address again. The words of Abraham Lincoln. And my grandpa, Charlene's dad, Stephen Euskirk, who's buried over here with many of our family and friends, Highland Memory Gardens, he used to tell me about a guy, maybe you've heard of FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who took the United States through Depression and World War II. I mean, one of those two is bad enough. Maybe you've heard of the radio. He used to give speeches on the radio, words of hope, of encouragement, the power of the hope factor. And I think of my family coming from Germany, Scandinavia, Romania, Czechoslovakia, and now my wife is Jamaican, Cuban, Puerto Rican, so our kids are, woohoo! <laughs> Whatever they want to be, they are. They passed by Lady Liberty, coming to this country with hope in their hearts. The gentleman I baptized, Pat Craig, at first service, he was telling me how his dad came from Russia and his mom from Italy. Many of you have those stories. Coming to a land of freedom and dreams and hope. All my relatives came here in the early 1900s and I went online and got, you can go look at the boat manifests of passengers and I found my great-grandmother and great-grandfather's names there. Almost every immigrant comes to America with some kind of hope. Are you here today looking for hope? Why do people come to church? I think there's three reasons. I think they're looking for hope, they're looking for inspiration, and they're looking for encouragement. Hope, inspiration, and encouragement. Do we have something that the world needs? Are we willing to share it? Are we going to keep it? That great hope that we have. It is the center of the Christian walk. We have hope in times of despair. We have hope during our pain and suffering. Don't raise your hand. Is anybody suffering? Is anyone in pain? I'll say this half jokingly and half seriously from my experience. If you have adult children, you suffer when they suffer. And sometimes they bring you pain and suffering. You never stop loving them, but it isn't always the perfect world that you wish for. 
We have hope as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I spent too much time in Highland Memory Gardens doing funerals. And every time I go over there, I think of so many that I know that are resting there. That is going to be one exciting place at the second coming, isn't it? That is, there are a lot of Adventists, a lot of friends. Um, read 1 Corinthians 15 and try to imagine in your mind. We're going to get there in a minute. The dead coming back to life. If that doesn't give you hope, I don't know what does. We can stand at the grave of our loved ones and have hope. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Paul says, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all what? Sleep, but we all shall be changed, amen? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, are you listening for that trumpet? Trumpet in the sky, loud and clear and long, signaling that the night is over, that eternity has begun at the last trumpet for, Paul says the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. I'll take that trade. I'll take that trade. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. I'm ready to live somewhere where there is no death. Are you, church? O oh, death, where's your sting? O oh, grave, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. We live in sin. We feel the sting all the time. It's in the back of our head. It's affecting us. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin in the law, but here's the gospel. Thanks be to God who gives us what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the hope factor. You can never lose that. I'm going to say this very clearly. Take it home with you. No matter what, we always have hope. No matter what. We have hope every morning that we wake up. We have hope every night that we go to sleep. Every day is a day closer. Calendar's clicking down. There's only so many days left until Jesus comes. We have hope because of Jesus. Regardless of the song we used to sing when we were little, I am happy, 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 happy all the time. We cannot be happy all the time. But we can have hope all the time. We cannot be strong all the time. We can pretend to. We can put on that exterior front. We cannot be strong all the time, but we can have hope all the time. Life will not always be good times, but in all times we can have hope. And for many of us here today, including myself, Life can be a pilgrimage of pain. Yet on this highway of life, we can always have hope. I think hope is the word. Take that word home today. 
want to give you one of my favorite verses, Psalms 30, verse 3. You don't know the first part. You really know the second part, but I'm going to read the first part. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Church, it is almost morning. As dark as it gets, it is almost morning. And I know when you sit in a hospital room or a patient's room, anxiety and hope sit next to each other. But hope wins out. So if you have anxiety, don't feel like you're alone or something's wrong with you. There's a lot of anxiety for all of us. But we have the hope factor. Hope knows that the morning's coming, that the night is almost over. So church, so you, so me. Here's where we are today. This is where we're at. Let's get real. In a world full of pain, suffering, and death, stress, anxiety, and yes, hatred, we have hope in the middle of it all. We do not lose hope. We cling to hope. We choose hope. We live in hope. We have hope. The hope factor makes all the difference. So I'll return to that atheist question. Why do you believe in God? Why do you believe in God? And my answer, and I hope your answer is still the same, because he gives us hope. With Jesus, there's always hope. If you lose your job, you still have hope. If the institutional church fails you or falls or disappoints you, you still have hope. If the nation fails or falls or stumbles, you still have hope. If your leaders fail you, you still have hope. If you lose your friends, if you lose your friends, you still have hope. If you lose all your money, you still have hope. If you lose your health, you still have hope. And when you lose your loved ones, you still have hope. And when you die, there is still hope because God will not forget you. So church, I say this to you. Cling to your hope. Cherish your hope. Share your hope. Christ is your hope. He is the hope factor. Nothing, nothing can take that away.